So there's this guy in the Bible named Judas. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Any of you who know Judas' story know he's the one that betrayed, betrayed Jesus for 30 silver coins. But he never really cashed in. He died soon after, killed himself, hung himself from a tree. Judas is not a very popular disciple. Nobody names their little baby boy Judas. Now, there's another guy in the 12 named Peter, and a lot of people name their kids after him. There are even churches named after Peter. Peter is one of the heroes of the Bible. Especially when you start talking about missions and you look at the book of Acts and see how the good news of Jesus Christ spreads throughout the world. Peter is one of the primary instruments through which that spread of good news happens. When we tell the story of Pentecost, Peter is one of the primary actors. We see how through him, The good news of Jesus spreads beyond the Jews. There's a great story in Acts 10 about Peter and Cornelius. And Cornelius is this Gentile person of faith who has this vision of Peter coming. And God has to work on Peter a little bit to actually get him to go to Cornelius. And it's a great story because in that story, Cornelius gets baptized, but Peter gets converted. He realizes that there are no unclean people, that all are children of God. These powerful stories show us how the good news of Jesus spreads. But before Peter became a hero in the faith, in the book of Acts, he was just like Judas. In the story of Jesus' death, there's this dramatic scene at night in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the moment of betrayal. Judas comes bringing the soldiers to arrest Jesus and the high priests, and he points out Jesus and says, there's your guy. And Peter sees what Judas has done, and he begins to fight back. He draws his sword. He even cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus stops him and says, no, 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 no. My kingdom will not come through violence. And he fixes the man's ear, and he turns himself over to authorities as a criminal. And apparently something clicks in Peter at this moment. Jesus is not who he thought he was. The mission they were on is not what he signed up for. Either there's a fear of being the next one arrested or some disappointment that Jesus was not willing to establish the kingdom by force. But whatever it was, 
We watch as Peter denies even knowing Jesus. He just stands by and watches the drama of Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion. And three different times he's asked if he is a friend and a follower of Jesus. And every time he says he does not know the man. Nope, not me. Wrong guy. I never knew him. You see, there are two major categories of sin. When theologians talk about the nature of sin, one category is sins of commission. Things you commit, bad acts that you do. But there's another category of sin, sins of omission. And those are all the good things you should do, you could do, but you choose not to. Judas's sin is one of commission. Peter's is one of omission. But both are denials of Jesus, aren't they? Judas and Peter both deny Jesus, don't they? But poor Judas. If you listen to the way we tell his story, it's as though we don't really think Judas is human. Judas is like a puppet on a string that God manipulates in order to get Jesus to the cross. Judas is just some stock character that we need for this story to unfold the right way. That somehow God doesn't really care about Judas or what happens to him. Judas looks at his life. He looks at his sin. He sees no hope. He sees no way out. There is no future. So he ends up taking his own life. Man, I wish I could have stopped him. I wish I could have reminded him of who Jesus really is. I wish Judas could have believed the good news that he helped Jesus share with others. Because really, church, what do you think would have happened if Judas had encountered Jesus again? What do you think would have happened? Would Jesus have condemned him? Would he have banished him to hell? The one who, while hanging on a cross, cries out to God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think Jesus would have offered forgiveness and redemption and restoration to Judas. And you know what would have happened? We would have opened our Bibles to the book of Acts. 
And a guy named Judas would have been right there at Pentecost with Peter. Right there participating in the good news of Jesus as it exploded throughout the world. That's what would have happened. And in children's worship, there'd be little Peters and little Johns and little Marks and little Matthews and little Judases. And that is the only way that Peter is different than Judas. It's that he had enough hope to believe that his momentary acts of rebellion, his moment of denial was not the final chapter in his story. Peter trusted enough that God's love was greater than his sin, so he stuck around. Even after the humiliating embarrassment of denying Jesus three times, even with the sound of the cock's crow still ringing in his ear. He sticks around to watch what Jesus does on the cross. He sticks around with the other bewildered disciples who try to figure out what next, what now. He sticks around to hear women come running saying, you got to come to the tomb. It's wide open, and Jesus is not there. He sticks around to discover that Jesus has risen, just as he says, to actually see the risen Lord, who had conquered sin and death. He sticks around. And then at the end of John's Gospel, He and Jesus get to share a meal together. And at that meal, Jesus asks him, Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Then tend to my sheep. Be a shepherd for the good shepherd, Peter. I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Each betrayal is met with restoration and redemption. Peter will not leave that meal partially forgiven. He will not be commissioned into the Lord's service just one-third forgiven or 66.6% forgiven. No, he is 100% forgiven, redeemed, restored, fully recommissioned for service. He leaves that encounter with Jesus, having experienced the amazing love of God, 
and thus is unleashed to go share that love with others. He is now free to serve. He is now qualified to serve. This is what qualifies us to serve, isn't it? It's sure what qualifies my friend Chris, who you saw in the video this morning. He tells you his story about being homeless and hopeless until he encountered City Square. And we filled Chris's pantry with food. We helped him get a better housing situation. We helped him get treatment for substance abuse. We helped him get a job through AmeriCorps. And then Chris became one of our neighbor advocates who worked with our neighbors on the front lines in the food pantry. And who better qualified to engage our neighbors than someone who's been a neighbor? Who better qualified to share the love that we want to offer at City Square than someone who's been a full recipient of it? And so Chris has been working in our organization and became one of our homeless outreach workers. And he has a masterful rapport with the homeless on the streets of Dallas because he's been there. And Chris has stabilized and has had a great career with us. And now Friday was his last day. Our homeless outreach team is going away. The funding's going away, and there's going to be some new strategies in Dallas. But Chris has discovered through his work with us that his passion is outreach to homeless neighbors. And so he will become a neighbor advocate within one of the homeless shelters in Dallas. So we've graduated him in a way. But Friday, I got to go stop by and give Chris a hug and thank him for his time with us. And he reflected on what it's been like to have experienced the ministry of City Square. See, Chris is qualified to serve because he's been a recipient of the gift that he now gets to offer others. Church, that's what qualifies us to serve as ministers of Jesus Christ. It is our experience of forgiveness and of redemption and of restoration. There are too many faith communities that have forgotten this truth. And so there are too many people giving up on church because the church is no longer telling them the story of God's amazing love. They don't want to go somewhere where they're going to feel like Judas. And they're hopeless enough, they don't need that hopelessness to be confirmed. Where they will be rejected as betrayers of God. No, they need folks who will say to them, we're just like you. 
And honestly, we are just like Judas. We are no different than Judas. But by the grace of God, church, we're no different than Peter either. I think that's pretty good news. That's what qualifies us to serve. And I hope that is the story that we will tell this community and the story that we will take throughout the world. Broken people, come here so we can show you that there is still hope. There is always a future. There is always another chapter in God's love story. Your story is not finished. There is hope. There is a future. And God's love is greater than our sin. Thanks, John, for reminding us of God's wonderful grace and love. As we move from this place into community, I think we need to remember the words of Jesus in John 20 that says, I am sending you, and hear those words frequently this week as we move outside the walls. Let's pray together, and then we will be dismissed to our classes, and we hope you will enjoy and experience a time of